In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids up through the 12th grade please come forward. know you like that smile <laughs> how's everybody I heard y'all practicing y'all gonna sound great in a minute love it um, anybody ever put puzzles together you ever put a puzzle together Amelia you ever put a jigsaw puzzle together a piece here and a piece here and a piece here no Connor yeah. look at me yeah good puzzles so have you ever spent like, I mean, like a big piece, big puzzle with little pieces and you, and you put a little bit together at a time and you go week after week after week after week after week and you're almost finished and you can't find two pieces. You've been there? You done that? Well, how do you feel? Happy? Tired? but also disappointed because you can't find the whole puzzle, right? Right? You ever done that? You ever miss a piece? If you're like my grandkids, they lose their puzzles. So we put it together and there's a piece missing. What are you going to do? Right? You wait. You look, you look everywhere for that piece to put that puzzle together. In our gospel reading today, somebody comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do, right, to in to get to heaven. And what does is, what is Jesus say? What does it say in the Bible? That's what Jesus says. What does it say in scripture? And what does the person say? That you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Huh? Mind. And then it says strength too, right? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. All those things. Now, what would happen, what do you think God would, you think God would be happy if I loved God with my mind and my strength, but not with my heart and my soul? There's something missing, right? What does God want? He wants to love the Lord your God with all, right? Your mind, your heart, your strength, your soul, all of it. God wants all of your love. And a lot of times, a lot of times we just give God, a, <laughs> a lot of times we just give God a little. Or maybe most of it sometimes, but we leave a little off because we're using that love for something else. And where does that love properly belong? It belongs with God, doesn't it? And we go searching, we're looking for something, we, we keep that part of it for something else and we search for it and we search for it and we search for it and we don't even know what we're searching for because we've even lost it from ourselves and then when we find it and give it to God wow God's happy we're happy God wants all of it he wants our mind our heart our soul our strength everything he wants it all it, it belongs to God and then God enjoys and delights in letting us 
grow to be who he wants us to be. But we have to give it to him. And it takes a lifetime. We keep trying and we keep trying and we keep trying. I'm going to talk about that in my sermon here in a minute. But it takes a lifetime. And when we finally figure out how to give it all to God, boy, are we happy. Because that's where it belongs. And God is happy. Okay? Try to do that. This is not just something we say on Sunday mornings to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We're supposed to do it. Give it all to God. All right? Okay. Can't wait to hear you. Thank you for coming. There's a packet over there from Mr. Doremus if you want one. Pull. <laughs> now you can come over here. Due to a power outage, only one paramedic was, was able to respond to the call. The house was very dark. So the paramedic asked Kathleen, this three-year-old girl, to hold a flashlight high above her mommy so that he could see while he helped to deliver the baby. And very diligently, Kathleen indeed did hold the flashlight way up here. And Heidi, the mother, pushed and pushed and pushed. And after a little while, Connor finally came out. The paramedic lifted him by his little feet and, and, and spanked him on the bottom. And Connor began to cry. The paramedic then thanked Kathleen for her help and asked this wide-eyed little girl what she thought about what she had just witnessed. And Kathleen quickly responded, he shouldn't have crawled up there in the first place. Spank him again. <laughs> the oldest son, Brian, was pretty adamant when he was told by his mother that they were expecting a little baby. I don't want a new baby. You know, the family had survived the first round of sibling rivalry when his younger brother Damien was born. And so they were surprised that Brian was digging in his heels over this new baby. The parents spent about an hour trying to convince him that it was a positive thing. And three-year-old Brian made his stand about this new baby and neither logic nor persuasion would was going to budge him. Puzzled, the mother finally confronted him with a, a straightforward question. Why don't you want this new baby? And with wide and cheery eyes, little Brian looked straight at her and said, because I like Damien and I want to keep him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, the lectionary readings are just wonderful today from Amos and Colossians and from the Gospel of Luke. But I've been trying to figure out where to do sort of a two-part sermon a series on sin. And, and so I'm going to set the lectionary aside today and, and, and begin today and next week with this, this two-part sermon. 
Maybe you've wondered why people do some crazy things at times. Or maybe even a better question is, have you ever asked yourself why you do crazy things at times? Why in the world did I eat that last piece of cake? I was already full. I didn't need that cake. Or I shouldn't have blown up at my child that way. For six months of sobriety and that one drink, it changed everything. Or why can I be positive and cheerful all the time? Why do I let things get me down? Why, do, why, why did I get stuck on the computer for so long? I shouldn't have. Why did I do that? Am I describing anyone in this room? I mean, besides me, right? You know who else was like that? St. Paul. Paul is probably the second most influential person who ever lived. While it is true that more than a billion people on this earth follow Jesus, much of what we believe about Jesus, we believe because of how the Spirit of God moved through Paul, this apostle, to present these writings, what we now call the New Testament, are part of it. The writings of Paul. He's the one who helped to define what the coming of Christ into the world really meant. St. Paul was an intelligent Jew slash Christian who was impassioned and inspired, disciplined, devout, sincere. And yet for all of that, St. Paul could write these words in the seventh chapter of his letter to the church at Rome. Listen to this. He says, I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, he writes. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And here's what I know. Every single one of us in this congregation this morning can identify with St. Paul when he cries out in anguish like that. Every one of us in this church today is able to say, that sounds a whole lot like me. You know, most of the time we really do have good intentions. But we also know where the road leads that is paved with good intentions. Our intentions are often the best in the world, but our actions, they just don't always measure up. Why is that? Well, St. Paul says it's because of this thing called the law of sin at work in our lives. And I want you to notice that Paul doesn't blame his parents for his flaws. He doesn't say it was his heredity or his environment or the government or his fourth grade teacher or any of the other excuses we hear or give every day. He says, it is the law of sin within me. You know, way back in the day, many, many years ago, I received a letter from my automobile insurance company, or maybe I should say my former automobile insurance company. 
I didn't drop them, they dropped me. And it's not because I didn't pay my payments, because I always pay on time and I'm always caught up. Not because I didn't do all the paperwork, because every document was signed and delivered. I dropped, I was dropped for, for making too many mistakes, which happened to be two tickets in a three-year period. Knock on wood, I haven't had a ticket in years and years. On the way home, I'll get one, watch. But I was dropped for making those two mistakes. I want you to help me think through this. I bought insurance to cover my mistakes. Then I get dropped for making mistakes. Did I miss something? Maybe I failed to see a footnote somewhere or maybe I skipped over the fine print and the contract. I mean, isn't that like a doctor treating only healthy patients? You can't come here if you're sick. Or a dentist hanging a sign in the windows, no cavities, please. Or a teacher penalizing you for asking too many questions. Or isn't it like qualifying for a loan at the bank by proving that you don't need one? And what if the fire department said it would protect you until you had a fire? Or what if, perished the thought, heaven had limitations to its coverage? What if you got a letter from the Pearly Gate Underwriting Department that read, Dear Mr. Gerber, or fill in your name, I am writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sin. Our records show that since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed, and your prayer life is substandard when compared to others of like age and circumstance. Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile, and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins, you are, at, you are a high-risk candidate for heaven. You understand that grace has its limits. Jesus sends his regrets and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. Well, as silly as this may sound, the truth is that many, many Christian people have a fear of receiving a letter or a judgment just like that. Some people worry that the verdict has already been handed down. And if an insurance company can't cover my honest mistakes, can I honestly expect God to cover my intentional rebellion? You know, the last few days I've been re-listening to a fellow who died a year and a half ago. Used to listen to him on tape cassettes, I think, way back when. But he's on YouTube now, so I watch him on YouTube. This guy traveled all over the world. His name is Cy Rogers. He's talked to thousands and thousands of people about how God has brought him out of a homosexual lifestyle into a fulfilled husband-wife-child relationship, which falls within what he calls the boundaries of God's intentions. Everything he says I find to be fa fascinating because what he talks about speaks to every person who listens about the sin that dwells within us 
The same thing St. Paul talks about in Romans 7. He says, in the life we live, we have to go around navigating in a very dirty world filled with contamination. He says, we live in a world that slimes us. There is slime in our lives. Remember Marvin Zindler, slime in the ice machine. Well, Cy Rogers says there's slime in the world all over the place. You walk down the street, you turn the corner, there it is, you're slimed. You sit at home, you turn the channel on what he calls the television, and there it is, you're slimed. You get online, something pops up on the screen, there it is, you're slimed. He says there's always something out there waiting to slime us, to, to defile us. And I bet you find that true in your life. I find in my life that there are times when I'm doing pretty good. I wake up in the morning, I say my morning devotions, I have a good experience with the Lord that morning, and then I walk out that front door and fall into what Sai calls the manhole. He says you're walking along and you turn the corner and something provokes you and slimes you, and suddenly you drop down into the sewer. And so the question is asked, well, what can I do about that? After all, I didn't make the rules. I didn't set the stage. I didn't create my own vulnerability. And I live in a defiled environment. How am I supposed to live in a world that continually slimes me and defiles me, especially if I call myself a Christian? Or as St. Paul asked, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then Sai uses an analogy to answer that question. In a nutshell, this is what he says. We all take showers or baths just about every day, don't we? We all put on deodorant just about every day, maybe some kind of cologne, some kind of perfume. We have to do that in order to keep our bodies clean and smelling nice. We have to wash them over and over again, day in and day out, because there's a whole lot of dirt out there in the world and a lot of it ends up on us. And if we don't keep washing and using deodorant, what happens? We begin to stink and no one, including ourselves, wants to hang, us, hang around us for very long. And as Sai says, even the born again and the spirit filled still stink at the end of the day. And it's the same way with our spiritual lives. There is so much slime out there that keeps us from doing the things we want to do. And we end up doing the things we don't want to do. So what do we do about that? Taking a shower every day won't help our spiritual lives. Putting on deodorant every day won't help. So what do we do? Well, here's what we do. We go to the one who can make us clean. Because no matter how hard and how long we try, we cannot make ourselves clean. And so we go to the only one, the Holy One, who has the power to wash us off in our spirits time and time and time again. Or as St. Paul says, 
Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'm not through with this subject yet, but I have run out of time. So next week I will continue talking about this and about some of the things that we on the human level might be able to do with this sin inside of us that seems to just keep on ticking. And we'll talk about all that next week. And so to the holy and undivided Trinity, to the crucified humanity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be everlasting praise, honor, power, and glory from every creature now and unto the end of the ages. Amen.